Franklin says that our biggest temptation is justification. And wow, that stuck out to me so much. And he used the example of David. And he talked about how when David saw Bathsheba for the first time, we all think that that was a huge temptation that he had to face. But the but he, you know, he he fell into that temptation. But a bigger temptation than that right there was whenever Saul was right in that cave, and he had the opportunity to kill him at that moment, and everybody around him was saying, "Hey, um." This is your chance. The Lord said that you were going to be king one day, and Saul is right in front of you. This is your chance to kill him, man. Like, this is your opportunity. The Lord set this up to happen. But David knew that it wasn't from the Lord. And so what did David do? David said, no, I'm not going to do anything that the Lord hasn't told me to do. And two weeks later, we know that um, if you've read about David's story, we know that David became king, right? But what would have happened if David wouldn't have been obedient to the Lord? What would have happened if he wouldn't have fought that justification? Because everything said, everybody said, listen, he's trying to kill you. You, you deserve, you know, it's okay for you to kill him. Uh, David, they said that you were going to be king. It's okay for you to kill him. And so he had to fight that justification. All right. A couple weeks ago, I talked about how obedience usually doesn't require us doing what we want to do. Why? Because Nobody feels like doing something that's not on their terms. Nobody feels like doing something that makes them uncomfortable. Nobody feels like doing something uh, that that isn't what we feel comfortable doing. And so I said, because we usually find excuses to justify doing what we want to do instead of what God is telling us to do in that moment. All right. I'm going to give you all the story of Abraham when he was told to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, okay? We read in Genesis, I think it starts around Genesis um, 22, I think is where where that starts uh, talking about that story. But we know that it says that the Lord told Abraham, grab your son, take him up on that mountain, and you're going to sacrifice your son. We know that that is exactly what um, Abraham was told, right? We know that that Abraham didn't want to sacrifice his only son. Nobody in in this chat is going to say that if the Lord were to tell you to sacrifice your child right now, that you would say yes to that. And then on top of that, it was Abraham's Abraham's only son, all right? Abraham had a choice to make in that moment. He had to fight. The justification, we know that he all felt. We know that there were excuses that were coming through his mind that would justify him not obeying the Lord, not being obedient to what the Lord had told him to do, what the Lord had commanded him to do. I'm sure that Abraham thought, this can't be right. God gave me Isaac. This can't be right. Why would he want me to sacrifice my only son that he miraculously made happen? But Isaac is our only hope to carry on the bloodline. That's another thing that Abraham probably thought about. Isaac is my only son. My bloodline ends here if I offer him up as a sacrifice. But Abraham was obedient to the Lord. He fought that justification. The Lord provided too. Because although Abraham was obedient, we know that that God is Jehovah Jireh. And he provided a ram uh, in the bush right as Abraham was about to sacrifice his child. Let me give you another example here. 
Joseph was sold into slavery, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison, forgotten uh, by another prisoner to get him out of prison and into um, the courts of Pharaoh, all because of his jealous brothers. All because his brothers had decided that they didn't think that Joseph knew what he was talking about, and Joseph wasn't the one uh, that deserved the coat of many colors. And Joseph's dreams were um, prideful, and he didn't know what he was talking about. So what did his brothers do? They started off by throwing him into that ditch or throwing him into that culvert, into that um, pit. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. And from there on, Joseph had 22 years of misery. 22 years. I am 22 years old right now. I'm turning 23 uh, here in a, in a week, I think. 22 years, my whole entire life, Joseph was in misery, in full chaos, abandoned, hurt, betrayed, lonely, in bondage, a slave, right? And when his brothers came for food during the famine, Joseph had every right to say no. Joseph had every right to say no to them. Joseph, Joseph had every right to say, you don't deserve this food. Joseph had every right to say, no, go starve to death, and I'm going to watch you starve. We see in our own fleshly minds, in our own fleshly way of thinking, that Joseph had every right to tell his brothers to go on. But Joseph was obedient. And what does obedience cause us to do? It causes us to sacrifice our flesh. It causes us to fight that temptation of justification. It causes us to look bigger, to look bigger than what the world offers us. The world says, have an eye for an eye. Or the world says eye for an eye. The world says, um, Karma is a B word. You know, the world says uh, you get what you you get what you get. You know, you get what you give. But God, I think we have to recognize that his grace and his mercy is so much bigger than what our minds could ever wrap around. It says in Titus, I believe that great is the mystery of our God. He is so great. He is so faithful. He is just. He is a just God. But we let him have the justice, not for ourselves, right? So Hebrews 2 and 18 says, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. This is talking about Jesus. For because Jesus himself has suffered when tempted, Jesus is able to help us who are being tempted. Jesus has endured it all so that we can overcome this temptation. So I want to go over just three things really quickly that I know for a fact that I have tried to justify, right? I have came up with excuses for, right? And number one, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be raw here. The first thing that I tend to try to justify is being silent about the gospel, right? I'm being vulnerable here. My thoughts, I, I get worried about being a bother. I get worried about um, 
being somebody that sticks out like a sore thumb. I get worried about their reactions, right? So here's some thoughts that I wrote down. They don't want to be bothered. I'm sure that they know about Jesus because we're in the Bible Belt. I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb. Or sometimes I'm just intimidated because I don't feel like I know enough. I don't know enough to answer their questions if they spit them back out at me. Or um, I don't know enough about their situations if they come to me with advice. I have all of these thoughts that justify me being silent. But I'm going to fight that justification with the truth of God that says, I... <laughs> the goodness of God is so big that why would I stay silent with it? Who cares if I look stupid in a moment? Who cares if I have a guy that chews me out because he didn't want to hear that today? Who cares if I uh, make a fool of myself? I am going to be a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm going to spread the gospel. And I'm going to spread the good news because that is what I was called to do. All right, number two is another thing that we justify is not applying the word to us. Now, this one is a tricky one, especially if you've been in church for a long time. All right, I also put a slash next to that and said pride. All right, here are some thoughts that 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 we don't even realize we're thinking when we listen to the word of God being spoken to us or we listen to what um, our pastors have received from the Lord. Number one, we always look for it to apply to somebody else's life. Oh, but they're like that. Oh, well, I know that they're controlling. Oh, well, I know that they're judgmental. When we don't even recognize that us putting that word and applying it to somebody else is us judging that person. Or maybe it's, well, I pay my tithes. Well, I check all of the box, all of the boxes. Well, my situation's different. Yeah, but y'all really don't understand. I mean, I live in a different situation, in a different environment than what these people do. All right, so that's the second thing that we try to justify. And the third thing that we try to justify is unforgiveness. And I know that I've mentioned this a lot, but that's because it is such a big deal. Forgiveness is so hard. Because we can look at everything that somebody has done wrong and justify the fact that as to why they don't deserve our forgiveness. They don't deserve our mercy. They don't deserve our grace. And what we can say is, is what they did was wrong. They didn't say they were sorry. They haven't tried to make things right. They won't change. They keep hurting me. They won't stop, right? We can, we can justify our unforgiveness and our bitterness by saying, I've never done anything to them, and they've done everything to me. But it is only by the grace of God that we can overcome the, these justifications that I have just mentioned. The first one that I mentioned, justification number one that I had mentioned was uh, being silent about the gospel and trying to justify that I am no one and that I could be a bother. But here's what I want to point out. Sometimes I, I struggle with being discouraged because I am no one. And I, I wonder why, like, Lord, why are you choosing me? I am so frail. I am so finite. 
I am not the smartest. I am not the cookie cutter Christian. I am not the girl that was raised in Sunday school. And so a lot of the times I say, Lord, why, like, why did you choose me? Like, I, I don't know what to say to these people. I'm just from, you know, a mom who, who had me at 16 years old. It was just me and her. I, I wasn't, I wasn't a cookie cutter Christian. I wasn't raised up in church like I should be. But I don't think that we should ever forget that Jesus Christ was born in a manger full of hay. And he was just a boy from Jerusalem. And he was just a carpenter. And he was flesh. And he experienced it. Watching The Chosen has really chose, has really taught me a lot. He experienced this. He would, he would uh, preach and he would teach the word of God. And people would say, there's no way that this is the Messiah. People would say, Jesus of um, Nazareth, I said Jerusalem, Jesus of Nazareth was uh, healing the sick and raising the dead. And they would say, he's from Nazareth. There's no way. They would go, yes, Jesus. He, he gave sight to the blind. And they would go, where he's coming from, there's no way that he is the Messiah. That is the type of God, that is the type of, of man that came on this earth. And, and it says back in Hebrew, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You are serving a God today who is relational. You are serving a God today that relates to us. Why? Because he's experienced it. have experienced that he would not understand us for. I talked about um, the second thing that we try to justify is not applying the word to us and, and having pride. Listen, if Jesus, God robed in flesh, needed to pray to a heavenly father and have a relationship with him, what makes us think that we don't? What makes us think that we don't deserve to, or that we don't need to be continually better? What makes us think that we don't need to pray? What makes us think that we don't need to read the word of God? What makes us think that we've made it? As long as we are on this earth, we need to be applying what our pastors are giving us. We need to be applying the word of God to our lives. And the third thing that I was talking about is if Jesus can forgive us of all of the things that we know that we've done wrong, but also all of the things that we don't know that we've done wrong. I want you to just take a second and think about all of the things that you don't even know that you've done wrong. All of the thoughts, all of the decisions that you have made without even including the will of God in them. All of the times that you have chose God to be plan B in your life instead of plan A. Whether it be for a headache that you've had and you've not prayed for the Lord to heal it. Whether it be a decision that you had to make for a job and you didn't run it by the Lord first and ask what his thoughts were on your future. Maybe it's just a thought that you had in your mind where you thought, that you were just trying to help with constructive criticism, but instead you were judging 
and you weren't showing mercy. Think about all the times that we have received forgiveness from our Heavenly Father from the things that we don't even know about. His 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 grace and His mercy is so abundant. It's more than we could ever ask or think. And we can look and we can chart and we can tally up all of the things that somebody has done wrong to us. And I'm not saying that what they've done is right. I'm not saying that what they have done does, shouldn't affect you. I'm not saying that what they have done shouldn't hurt. But you can see all of the things that they've done, and the Lord still will forgive them. So that, and so we need to forgive them. Because those are just a short amount of things to forgive compared to the mile-long list of things that he's forgiven us for that we don't even recognize. So uh, so today, just I, I wrote this down too, just like Sharon said, she had such a great fight time the other night. Thank God that he doesn't measure his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, and his grace by what we give. Or by what we think that we deserve. My question for you today. I'm going to end with this. My question for you today. Is what have you been justifying? Those three examples are things that I have struggled with. That I have justified for my own personal life. What are you justifying? What are you coming up with excuses for? What are you justifying? What are you making yourself feel good about that you really shouldn't feel good about? Don't fight the conviction of the Lord. There is a reason why conviction falls. It's good to feel pain. It's good for you to know the areas of your life that you need to work on. Because without knowing, the more damage you're doing to yourself, the more damage you're doing to your relationships, the more damage you're doing to the family around you. So it's good for you to feel conviction. Let's be chastened by the Lord. Let's be um, molded. He is the potter and we are his clay. So, Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, that you you do find beauty in us and you do find purpose in us. And so I thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your conviction. I'm asking that your conviction would fall, that we would be able to feel it, Lord Jesus. Let us feel the things that you hate in our lives, Lord, because all in all, we want to serve you. And we know that in order to serve you well, in order for um, you to be proud of us, requires us to get some things uh, out of our lives, to push some things aside, to put some things to death that you hate. And so let us love the things that you love, but Father, even more, let us hate the things that you hate. Show us those things that you hate. And we come together right now and we make the decision to quit justifying our actions, to quit coming up with excuses, to quit saying that it's okay to do these things. And, and Lord, we are saying that we will be obedient to you no matter what. You are amazing. And we love you for all that you do. We will worship you, and true worship is responding to the love of God. So if you're going to worship him, if you're going to make the decision to choose to um, 
quit justifying your actions, to quit um, coming up with excuses, and you're going to respond to the calling that Jesus has on your life, and you're going to respond to that conviction, why don't you just type in the chat and say, I'm going to respond. We, as a group of women, Lord, are, are coming together today, making the decision to respond to what you say. We're going to do it, Lord. We're, we're allowing ourselves to feel, because in order for us to be molded into you, into what you want us to be, we cannot have hardened hearts. So I speak to every hardened heart right now in the name of Jesus. And I say, let the Lord, allow the Lord to give you a new heart. Allow him to let you feel again. Yes, forgiving hurts, but it's worth it in the end. It's like ripping off that band-aid. In order for you to receive your, your freedom, you've got to go through a little bit of pain. But it's so worth it. And it's what he paid the price for. So I love you all. I hope you have a great Friday. Have a good weekend. And hey, shameless plug here. 60th celebration is this Sunday. If there's any Sunday that you need to come to church, it is this Sunday at Covenant Church. 60 years is a big deal. 60 years of pastorship, pastoralship that is in the same bloodline. You don't ever see that. So come. It's going to be a great time. I hope to see you there. The Lord has sent revival. It's your, it's your responsibility to respond to it. Respond to that revival. Respond to the spirit of the Lord. I hope to see you all there. Have a great Friday. Bye-bye.